Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host New Life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of New Life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m. at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. But if you have your Bible, our Bible reading is going to come from Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Today, we're going to introduce this new series of talk, Building a Solid Life. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 24. It says this. This is Jesus' words. This is the end of one of the most powerful messages ever in the history of humanity, the Sermon of the Mount. It actually begins in Matthew 5. If you want to go home and, and watch and listen to the whole thing, Jesus just preaches an powerful message from Matthew 5, 6, and he ends here with Matthew 7. This is the conclusion of this sermon on the mount. Jesus said this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Can you say amen? You guys can bring me down a little bit. I feel like I'm a little too loud. And you know, I might scream in a moment. And I don't want to scare anybody. Um, that would be good. But we know that life is filled with honeymoon seasons, right? There's so many highlights in life. You know, right now, it's the season of graduation. That's an amazing honeymoon to graduate from high school or to graduate from college or to graduate, graduate from nursing school. It's an amazing accomplishment, right? It, it feels awesome to graduate, but we all know that that feeling doesn't last more than a couple of weeks when you are hit with the reality that now I have all these student loans. <laughs> right? Isn't that amazing? You're supposed to start your career. You're supposed to start your future, but you're starting with all of these loans, <laughs> And then you have to figure out, what am I going to do with them? So the high doesn't last that long in graduations because you realize, uh-oh, I better get a J-O-B. Some of you guys are not saying amen because that's you right now. You're like, yeah, the, that's me right, right now. But there's so many honeymoons. There's, there's the honeymoon of, of buying a new house. 
The, the excitement of a new house is amazing, right? Like, there's nothing like getting the keys to your home and, and, and open it for the first time and that, 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 that feel of like, man, this is, this is our house. Man, this is, this is our grass, right? This is our room. And then the reality hits, this is our mortgage. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be a plumber now, <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a landscape company now. Like all the things that comes with the reality of buying a house. And the same thing with relationships. Like there's nothing like brand new relationships. There's nothing like, no, you hang up. <laughs> no, 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 you hang up. Right? You, girl, you must be tired. Why? Because you've been running through my mind all day long. Right? And then fast forward a few you know, months later, years later, it's like, I need to go now. <laughs> you must be tired. Why? Because you haven't done anything all day. <laughs> right? There's, there's these amazing honeymoon seasons. How about buying a new car? There's nothing like that. Smell of a new car. Right? Like, and you say, like, every weekend I'm going to clean this car. Right? Like, and you're like, man, I love this car. I'm going to take the best care of this car. Right? And a year later, you know, your car looks like it's a dumpster. <laughs> like it's hard to find something in the car. People are growing in your car. Things are growing inside your car. Your glove compartment looks like it's a snack pack, you know. <laughs> right? there's, there's so many great highlights in life in, in, in like getting a new job. It's exciting when you're like, man, I got a new job. I'm making more money. It's so exciting. And then the honeymoon season is over. And you're like, I wish I had my old job. Because this place, you should see this place. It's like, you said that about the other place. When the honeymoon season ran out. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Uh, but there's so many different honeymoons in life. What about like when you launch a business? It's exciting, man. It's your, it's your dream, right? To launch a business. And then the invoices begin to come in, right? And then the reality of, oh, wait, I thought we were going to have 100 customers. We end up having two this week, right? And then you're like, Is that, was I even supposed to do this business in the first place? Was that even really a thing? Was that just me wanting to do something? How about this one? You get excited that you just got saved, that Jesus is amazing, right? Right? The goosebumps. Oh, my God, I just had goosebumps. <laughs> My, on Wednesday night, one of my, you know, our kids came back to church. But by the way, shout out to our kids' ministry. I'm so glad the kids are back in church. But my son, my son came up to me after Wednesday night. We went home, and he's like, Dad, I had this thing that never happened to me before. Like, like we were singing a song, and I just got, started getting all these goosebumps all over me. I was like, what? he's like, what is that? I'm like, yes, the spirit bumps, man. It's the greatest feeling in the world when you just feel the spirit of God, right? But we know they don't last. We know that you come to church some weeks and you're like, where? Where's the bumps? What happened to the bumps? God must not be here. Right? right? Because those things don't last. Or, or like you, you found a church for the first time. It's exciting. It's like, oh, man, you got to check out this church. Right? It's so amazing. Oh, my gosh. New Life South Coast. Oh, my God. New Life South Coast is amazing. Right? But then a few months later, you know, the honeymoon season is over. God's like, well, I, you know, that was just honeymoon. I was trying to bring you in, and now you got to live by faith, and you got to start doing things like obedience. And you're like, oh, what happened to that excitement? 
I must find another one. So what do we do with these moments in life? And then we get married and we get disappointed because the honeymoon didn't last. But I want to propose to you today that the reason why I believe the honeymoons don't last is that we're not supposed to live in honeymoons. Honeymoons are just the catalyst of the things to come. Right? I think the key is, is what we do after the honeymoon. You know, when I do premarital classes, you know, everybody's excited to get married. Like, it doesn't matter what you tell them. They're not listening. You know, and I do my best to try to bring the emotions down, like, bring it down. Like, I tell them, like, don't invest in a day, invest in a future. Like, don't put all your money into your wedding, put it into your marriage. Like, like it's better to buy a futon at Walmart than to start this thing in debt. <laughs> because money is the greatest reason why people end up fighting. But you know, you just gaga. He's amazing. And six months later, he doesn't have a job. He's not amazing anymore. We should have bought the futon. <laughs> but I believe the goal of life is what you do after the honeymoons. It's what are you building your life upon. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us here, is that you have to know what you're going to build your life upon because there are certain foundations that are shaky and they won't last, right? The Bible tells you and, and, and construction tells us the same thing that every house, every building starts with a cornerstone. It's the most important stone in a house. It aligns the rest of the house, right? And the Bible tells us this about Jesus being the cornerstone of our lives. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, together we are his what? House. House, right? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So before we go any further, my friends, I want to make this clear that everything that we try to share here starts with this reality that Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. Like, nothing else is going to add up if Jesus is not the cornerstone first. We, we have to go with the first things first, right? That we're not into self-help, we're into Jesus' help, right? That we're not here to just get a few nuggets and say, oh, I'm going to try to build my life. No, my thing is we are already in him, and then our goal is to build upon him. Jesus said, I will build my church in the gates of hell, but not prevail against it. Like, Jesus is the one that builds the house. And he's the cornerstone of our house. Can we establish that before we go any further? That we are a Jesus people. That we believe that Jesus is the foundation of everything that we are and everything that we do. Right? And then upon that is, is how do you build? Right? You take the cornerstone and then you begin to build upon that. You take Jesus and his sacrifice for your, for, your, for your life and now you begin to build upon that sacrifice and you begin to build a solid life that will not be easily destroyed by any storms of life. So I believe this, that everything we're about to share for the next few weeks applies to any area of life if you allow Jesus into that area. I believe it applies into your marriage, your finances, your business, your relationships, your parenting. I believe there's nothing that Jesus won't touch if you don't allow him to. He starts with the cornerstone and then you build upon that cornerstone. I like it that Jesus compares 
building a life with building a house. I love how Jesus gives you these illustrations to go by so you can have something to, to look to. Right? And for anyone who has gone on house hunting, you know how challenging it is to find the house that you want. How many of you guys have done house hunting and, and you know the challenges? I remember the first time we went on, on house hunting was we still lived in Rhode Island. We didn't know we were going to move here yet. And we looked at, I'm telling you, we looked at so many houses. It was exhausting to look at homes. And we finally found one that we really liked and that would really fit the budget. And we were so excited about it that we... we Asked one of my really good friends, he's in construction, he knows about houses. I said, man, you need to come look at this house with us because we're really excited, man. This thing looks amazing. I can see ourselves here. We're dreaming about it already. I'm seeing the kids running around. You know, I'm seeing me with my man cave. You know what I mean? All those things that you, that you dream about. The, the truth is, if you have kids, you don't have a man cave. That's just a dream. You have a toy cave. You don't, you don't really have a man man cave. You gotta step over Legos to watch a movie or, you know, a game or something. Nothing worse than stepping on Legos. I just stepped on Legos the other day. I can't... My son! I've had this conversation so many times. No Legos in this house anymore. But uh, I'm backtracking here. So we found this house. I called my friend to come look at this house. I said, man, tell us what you think because we don't know anything about homes. What do you think? And so he comes and he inspects the house and I'm all excited, I'm going around with him, but I'm not seeing the excitement in his face. You know, he's like, he's got this stoic face on him. I'm like, man, you don't look excited like I am. So everything is done, I'm like, what do you think? He goes, hmm. It's like, man, I don't know. It's like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean, what do you mean? He's like, um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get this house. What do you mean? It has everything. It's like, yeah, but it has termites. It's like, you might not want to invest in a house with termites. And you know what termites do, right? If you don't know, Google it. It's very interesting. Termites will eat the house from the inside out and will begin to crumble the whole thing. He's like, man, listen, I'm your friend. This house has termites. Don't do it. So we didn't get that house. Interesting enough, not long after that, we felt called to come here, and then we became house hunting in New Bedford now. Started the process all over again, right? Same deal, looked at so many houses, and came across another one that we really liked, and it fit the budget, and we're like, oh, man, the dream started again. You know, going through that whole process. You know what I'm talking about, right? That whole process of like, this could be it. And then we did the same thing. This time, we asked for someone that we know here. It was an inspector. We said, hey, come look at this house and tell us what you think. We got so excited that we put a deposit on the house before we did an inspection. Talking about building on sand. So he came, and he's one of those guys that's really thorough. Like, he took his time. He took, like, two, three hours. I'm like, man, this guy is for real. He's like, yeah, but if, if I'm going to co-sign something, I'm going to make sure it's legit. And so he comes back, and he says, man, I'm sorry to tell you, but not a good idea. So here we are, like, hurt again. This time, not just emotionally hurt, but financially hurt. We put a deposit on this thing that we lost because someone who knows about house said, Here's the words he used. He's like, it doesn't have good bones. You ever heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, this house doesn't have good bones, and I wouldn't invest in it. My friends, what I want to do today 
as we start this process is to identify the foundation of our homes. I want to identify the foundation of our spiritual homes. Because Jesus said that you have to be able to know, are you building on something solid or are you building on sand? Because if you don't know the difference, you might invest in something that sooner or later is going to come crumbling down. So I think it's important before we go any further is to begin to identify what are some potential sandy foundations that have crept up into my home that I haven't even paid attention to. Are you tracking with me so far? Right? Because sand in, spiritually, in spiritual terms can come in so many shapes and forms. It's like this. You know, we get excited when we go to the beach and we build a castle. But the truth is, when you go back, that thing is not there anymore. Because it doesn't last. It's built on sand. It looks pretty, but it won't last. See, a lot of times I think people are building their life on pretty things, but not strong things. We're building on fleeting things, not lasting things. So today, allow me, if I may, to be the house inspector of your soul. So we can hopefully identify what's going on truly in our foundations. The goal is to build a solid life. Are you with me? Can I say one more thing as we go on this journey in the next few weeks that this type of talk is going to require work. No amen on work. <laughs> but you can't build a house without working. And the Bible says you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God's at work in you. So we got to take ownership to work on the things that we need to work on to build a strong foundation. Are you with me? Yes. I want to begin with one that may sound so obvious but it's amazing to me how we keep seeing this over and over again, how people are building their life on something so shifty. The first sandy foundation we need to identify is feelings. If you're taking notes, my friends, the first thing is this. Feelings are not reliable. I fell in love with the house, but my feelings was not reliable. I loved the house, but someone who had facts said it has termites. I could ignore the facts and bought the house based on feelings. And I would have been in trouble sooner or later. The Bible even tells you this in Proverbs 14. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It wasn't just talking about physical death. It's talking about emotional death. It's talking about relationship death. It's talking about financial death. It's talking about anything that comes and becomes a dead-end street. Because you went by your feelings, but you didn't check the facts. Come on, talk to me this morning. Right? There's a difference between our feelings and facts. Right? And one of my favorite thinkers of our day, and he's a polarizing figure. Some people love him, some people hate him, but I love him. And he says this about feelings. Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings. Amen. <laughs> and that's a struggle in our generation, in our time where we're so feeling driven. We make decisions on feelings all the time without checking the facts. 
Does the fact align with the feelings? Fell in love with the house, and the house inspector said, it doesn't have good bones. And I could easily say, what do you know? What do you know? It's amazing how many times we do this, right? We fall in love with a person, but we don't check the facts. And people around you is trying to say, hey, it doesn't have good bones. You're like, but I love him. What do you know? Have you ever been in love? No, but I've been in facts. I think feelings is one of the greatest gods of our generation. So many decisions based on feelings, but nothing of facts to back it up. The Bible says to live by faith, not by sight, which means like live by the principles of God, not by what you're just seeing. Because sometimes your eyes can deceive you. Something could look really good, but when you open up the hood, you realize, hello. You ever been car shopping, you know nothing about cars? But you open up the hood just to pretend. (laughs) You pop up the hood and you're like, hmm. (laughs) In your mind, you're like, I have no idea. But I don't want to see this guy's face. (laughs) You do a car fact check and you're like, I don't even know what this means. Right? My friends, we have to get to the place to realize that facts don't care about your feelings. And we live in a very sensitive society right now that we get offended over everything, even if it's facts. People will get mad at you over facts because their feelings got hurt. Problem is, facts don't care about your feelings. I pray that becomes a slogan. I pray we put this everywhere. Facts don't, like we should wake up in the morning going, facts don't care about how I feel. Think about it. Because how you feel right now, you will not go to work. There's probably barely a day you wake up and you go, hey, I'm about to crush this day in my job. Right? We don't do that. Why? Because we know there's a fact coming and it's called Friday. And on Friday, your paycheck reflects not your feelings, but the facts. So if that's true about that, why why isn't it true about everything else? Why isn't it true about our marriages? Why isn't it true about our finances? Why isn't it true about going to church? Why isn't it true about everything else that we do? Listen, we go hot and heavy over something or someone without never checking the facts. And it's amazing. How many times have we heard people say this? And then I never realized it wasn't until. It's like, no, it was there all along. This is one of my favorite ones when girls go, and he's ugly anyway. He's like, no, he was always ugly, girl. (laughs) You're just just waking up to the facts. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how we always talk about the stuff that was already there? Your friends are like, "Mm mm-hmm. Girl, you, why, what do you mean? We've been trying to tell you. If you cared more about facts than feelings, you would have known. Right? So, so it's important, my friends. How do we uncloud our judgment from our feelings? I think it's important to ask that question. Okay, I'm having these feelings, but how do I make sure that I'm not being led by my feelings? 
I think it's important to ask that question. I think it's important to check our lives against feelings or facts. Decisions that we're making every day. Are they based on feelings? Or are they based on facts? So how do you do that? You do that by asking the opinions of experts. Like I did with the house. I fell in love with these homes, but I don't have the expertise of a home to make a rational decision. So why is it that we don't do that with every area of life? Hey, I, I'm starting to have feelings for this person. I trust your judgment. What do you think? We don't do that. We go ahead with our feelings, and then we get mad at everybody for not going along with it. Hey, I'm thinking about making this investment, and I trust your judgment. What do you think? Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, and you agree on something, it shall be done. So I need agreement. Our lives are meant to be led, to be lived in community. I'm going to make a communal decision. Like, I shouldn't be, like, if I'm part of your inner circle, I shouldn't be blindsided by your decisions. Like, you shouldn't, like, hijack me and make me go on a run that I don't want to go. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Like, so many people will make their decision and then they want you to follow along. Because why? Because you don't care. No, I don't care about feelings. I care about facts. Listen, I believe anyone who wants to build a solid life will not gather people who will just tell them what they want to hear. Because when I fell in love with those homes, we could have easily said, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Let's find another one. (laughs) We need a second opinion on termites. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what we do sometimes? We will shop around until someone itches. The Bible says there comes a time where we want our ears to be itched. Just tell me what I want to hear. So the moment that doesn't work, okay, I can go home and listen to a podcast that will tell me what I want to hear. Come on, come on. That was too, that was too convicting. I need another person who can just tell me how God loves my feelings. <laughs> Are you tracking with me? It's what we do. We do that with church. We do that with homes. We do that with businesses. We do that with jobs. You know, sometimes you get a boss who really loves you, cares about you, and he's trying to push you in another direction, but you don't want the facts. You want the feelings. And so you go to another boss, and you go to another boss, you go to another boss, and next thing you know, you don't have a career. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. Ask God. God, what is your will in this? Again, I'm talking about every area of life. My prayer is that as we preach, you fill in the, in the gaps. Where is God trying to lift up my facts over feelings? Ask for wisdom in the sermon. Are you tracking? Yes. The second sandy foundation that we have to be aware of, if we want to build something solid that's going to last. By the way, my prayer for us is that we're going the distance. Yes. Yes. Amen. Like, I, I'm tired of one-hit wonders. Yes. I'm tired of spiritual vanilla ice. You know people that are excited for one season? And then you don't see them anymore. You're like, whatever happened to? You ever watch that show, Whatever Happened To? I think in, I think in the church, there's a lot of that. 
whatever happened to? You ever look at our church and go, wait, whatever happened to? Like my biggest fear in life is to be that guy that used to be on fire for Jesus. What happened to that guy who used to, remember that guy? Man, remember that guy? He used to get goosebumps all the time. But he had sand all around him. So, so here's the thing, we, we need, here's the next thing we need, to, we need to see in our foundation is, is we can't cut corners and expect to be blessed. Yes. Yes. Here's what the Bible says, it's interesting about cutting corners. The Bible, again, loves to give you illustrations about life. Look, this is in Proverbs, by the way, book of Proverbs, I'm going to use it a lot today, great book of wisdom. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I'm not calling you lazy, the Bible is. <laughs> Just want to be clear. Don't shoot the messenger. Learn from their ways and become wise. wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer. I love that. You know why I love that? Because it doesn't matter how many people try to push you, you are the greatest accountability partner of yourself. It doesn't matter how much you come to church and you hear a message, you still have to take ownership of it. Right? Look, they gather food for the winter. Keep going. But you, lazy bones, again, the Bible, not me. How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. You get, you get, the, you get the gist here. Say, like, you start cutting corners, your foundation is shaky. Yes. And sooner or later, you're going to realize, huh? you know, it always fascinates me when people go, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I do. Yes. Like, I've never met a farmer who goes, I don't know how we got these fruits. Good. Like, I've never met a farmer who was surprised by their fruits. Because they believe, like, if I'm sowing, I'm going to reap. Yeah. Like a farmer never went to his farm and go, oh, oh. <laughs> How do we get tomatoes? Are you, are you understand what, are you tracking what I'm trying to say? Like sometimes people are like dumbfounded by their fruits. It's like, if you don't like what you're reaping, then check what you're sowing. It's that simple. People go, oh, is this the way I am? Well, then stop being the way you are. <laughs> That's not a compliment. Change your seeds. Change your seeds. Change your attitude. Change your behavior. Change your custom. Change your thinking. Change it. Here's a sin we don't talk much about in the church. Laziness is a sin. Matter of fact, laziness is the reason why most people won't reach their full potential. And you can apply that to any area. Again, I hope you're applying this to every area of your life. You can't be lazy in your prayer life. You can't be lazy in reading your word. You can't be lazy in going to work. You can't be late every single day and expect someone to promote you. Yes, come on, come on. That's right. And then when someone gets promoted, you get upset. Yes. Check your fruits. Check it. Why are you upset about the foundation being shaky? I, I pray, I, I pray that we get to a place in our lives where we're so mature that we're thankful for people who checks us. Because I need to be checked once in a while. 
You can't cut corners and expect life to just continue to grow. And I'm going to say a couple of heavy things here. You, when you take shortcuts, you delay your life. You delay your destiny. You delay your purpose. You delay where God is trying to take you. Matter of fact, blessings are put on hold when you take shortcuts. Because God won't bless what he's not in. Even worse, breakthroughs are delayed because you took a shortcut. See, people don't realize this, that grace defeats sin, yes, but sin has consequences. When God told Adam and Eve, you won't die, he said, you won't die physically right away, but you're going to be dead spiritually, emotionally, relationship-wise. Yes. Go go, you know, see, people only read the first part. You don't read the second part. How dysfunctional everything got after that. Remember, we know David for killing Goliath, but we forget that David took a shortcut and got defeated by lust. Yes. And after that, he had a miserable life. David died alone, broken with a broken family around him because of a shortcut. God will forgive you and restore you, but consequences will be there when we take shortcuts. My friend Sean Seals, who was a pastor in Avon, Mass, said this, and I love this. He said, you can't get what God has planned if you don't walk the path that God directs. You can't get what God has planned if you don't walk the path that God directs. On Wednesday night, we talked about how Saul decided how he was going to please God instead of doing what God asked him to do, which led to him losing everything because he cut corners. My friends, I, I want to say this again. I said on Wednesday night, half obedience is no obedience. You either are pregnant or you're not. We don't go, I think I kind of am. It's like, no, you take tests. Because facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. But I, I think it's important that we start here. We've we got to identify these sandy foundations that can crumble everything that we're trying to build for the future. Can you say amen? Here, here's another one. This might mess you up, but I think it's true. Is you got to check this part of your life. If you have a weak inner circle, you're going to have a weak life. Here's what Psalm says about inner circles. Psalm 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. Do you see the, the, the progression of this? I hope you catch this. Look, first it starts with an advice. Right? Then you kind of stand it, hanging around it. And then you're in it. I believe this with all my heart. I pray you take this home. Listen to me. We usually raise up to the level of our surroundings. Our surroundings settle, we settle. Our surroundings rise, we have a tendency to rise with them. The Bible even says bad company corrupts character or good morals. No one says, hey, I'm here to make you settle. 
One of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life was the day that I left my surroundings. It wasn't a bad surrounding, but good is the enemy of great. I felt that I needed to leave the surroundings that I grew up in, that I, everything I knew was there, and it was, this was good people, but I just knew I, I'm going to hit a roadblock here. I'm not going to be able to go where God has for me. And I look back on that decision till this day. I'm 42. I'm like, that's the one of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life. It was the hardest decision, but the greatest decision I ever made in my life at the same time. I told this story many times. When I was in college, I used to hang out with my boys, and I love my boys. We, we were like the Christian Hu-Tang. <laughs> but I remember one day, I was hanging out with them. We were watching a movie, and, and I didn't say this to anybody, but I just felt one of those moments where God was so clear to me, watching the movie, we're hanging out, and I heard this voice say, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? It's not bad, but is it good? See, the thing is, a lot of times I think we make this false assumption about life that if someone's not doing things bad, that's good. But I think we need to be asking a better question, are we doing anything right? Come on, come on. My friends, wrong voices will make you settle for mediocrity. You start to take Jesus seriously, all of a sudden, here comes your friend. Dude. A little too serious with this church thing. Yeah. And what, what is that person doing? Hey, come bring, your, bring yourself down a little bit. You start to make bad decisions financially. You're not going out as much because you're like, man, I need to save money. Dude, girl, you need to live a little. Yeah, I'm trying to live there. You ain't gonna hang out. Why come you're not hanging out with us anymore? You think you're better than us? A real friend would never say those things. Like you have to start checking people's motives. Oh, I remember when I started dating my wife and so-called friends started having an input. <laughs> but I thank God that those so-called friends weren't gonna be part of my inner circle. Because here we are now, married 15 years later, and some of those core friends are still trying to find something. So my friends, a weak inner circle leads to a weak life. Now, let me talk frankly as a pastor here. That's what some of the frustration of church is that sometimes people come excited about Jesus and they get around the wrong people in church. And they lose that passion for Jesus. And guess what? We're going to be accountable for that. Jesus is very clear on that. Say, yeah, you cause one of the little ones to stumble, you're going to pay for it. That's very serious. He's like, man, I'm trying to build this for eternity. You're living for temporary things. When church becomes optional, we got a problem. And where usually that comes from? It comes from what the voices around us saying. You go every week. Yeah, I know. But David one day didn't go and he ruined his whole future because one day he hung back. Go read it. You know, the thing the Bible doesn't give you those details for nothing. One day when he was supposed to be at war, he was supposed to be on purpose, he hung back to be lazy and guess what? His whole future got ruined. There are no days off in this thing. Even when you're on your day off, you have to be on guard. 
So listen to me, my friends. No accountability equals no growth. Man, I would be, I would dread to have friends who don't keep me accountable. I would dread to have friends who can see that I'm doing something I'm supposed to do and they turn a blind eye like nothing's happening. That's scary to me. Like you should check your friendships once in a while. Uh, this is going to be a little bit challenging, but I don't think you should be loyal to dead things. If someone's not going anywhere, why should I stay there with them? Because I'm supposed to be true to you, girl. You know, ride or die. No, you're dead. I need to ride. You know how many people are not reaching their destination because they're loyal to their friends who doesn't want to go anywhere? I need a better amen on this. I'm trying to help us do life. Have you noticed, you come to church, you get excited about things of God, and you go back to a weak inner circle who throws water on your fire. At some point, you got to be like, yo, I ain't doing this no more. That's a faulty foundation. Listen, I believe every marriage needs healthy sounding board. You don't need someone who's not married telling you how to be married. And you definitely don't need someone who's been married five times to tell you how to be married. <laughs> Every business owner needs a wise mentor. You don't need a, a business owner who is shady in their business to tell you how to do your business. Every young person needs a spiritual veteran. Because the last thing you need is to take advice from another person who still don't know what they're doing. You want to look at David's lineage? Go look at his son Solomon. Solomon took the throne, and, 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 and the veterans came to him and said, hey, this, you should change some of the stuff. And he listened. And then his son decided, no, I'm going to listen to my boys. And the, the kingdom was divided forever. Because they, they decided, no, the veterans don't know what they're talking about. But man, I don't know about you. I don't need cool people around me. I need wise people around me. I got to run. Every time I come from vacation, I have a lot to say. <laughs> but look, here's some questions to, to really ponder, to sit with this week. Does your inner circle make you better? Do they motivate you to follow Jesus? There's some people you get around them. All the, you, are, you know it. You walk away feeling like, man, life just got sucked out of me. Why do I feel drained every time I go to this person's house? You, come, you go this way, you come back this way. It's my friend. Anybody don't talk about, don't raise your hand. I may be your friends are here. But <laughs> right? when you get around them, do you get excited about life? Or is it always, ah, come on. Can't dream around some people. Matter of fact, some dreams shouldn't be shared with everybody. And, and, and also, you can't just put on your friends. You've got to ask this question. Are you the kind of friend that you want for yourself? Because it can't just be on the other person. Am I becoming that friend for somebody else? I got to go, man. I got, I, are you guys good? Can I, can I keep going? I got 11 minutes. We got a clock. 11 minutes, two more points. That's a struggle for a preacher. Here we go. Um, here's another one that is a faulty foundation, is when you have an unteachable spirit. When you stop learning, you stop growing. 
Here's what the Bible says. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. You know some people, everything you tell them, I know. I know. Oh, I know. I know. So how come your life doesn't look like you know? <laughs> Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. You know what this is? It's having a teachable spirit, always learning, always growing. The moment you start learning, you stop learning, you stop growing. And I, I'm just going to be honest. I think sometimes the biggest struggle I see with people is church people. Just because you know some Bible verses doesn't mean you actually know them. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowing is one thing. Wisdom is what are you going to do with it? I'm not impressed when people come around telling you a bunch of Bible verses, but it's like, so what? Anyone could quote stats. I know a lot of statistics about football. Doesn't mean I'm a great football player. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I know a lot of things. Doesn't mean I know how to do them. Listen, nothing worse than thinking you know it all. Think about it. When you become a homeowner, you, you're forced to learn. I've done things now that I'm like, I didn't know I could do it. And I get all excited because I am not handy at all. <laughs> like, if I do one thing right in the house, you watch my wife, I celebrate. <laughs> I'm like, I fixed the toilet the other day. I came down like, yo! <laughs> it's working! <laughs> it's working! <laughs> I'm serious. Ask her. I'm like, oh my God, I did it! Because I am challenged when it comes to that stuff. But it forces you to watch YouTube videos. I'm watching YouTube videos about stuff that I never thought. Oh, wait, I got to rewind that. What? Uh, uh. Like they speak in a code that you don't understand. Now, I, now you see, see here's, a, here's a preacher in me. When I watch those things and I'm like, man, I'm having a hard time understanding, I think about church. I'm like, are we talking in a way that people understand? Nothing worse than a plumber giving you all the plumber lingo. You're like, I didn't understand a thing, though. <laughs> Nothing worse than going to church and going, I have no idea what that was. <laughs> but we got up and sat down a lot. <laughs> My friends, followers of Jesus are lifetime students. Actually, that's what the word discipleship means, students. Jesus said, come follow me, and I will teach you the ways of life. Like, learn for the rest of your life. Like, you shouldn't stop learning. Like, have you noticed some of the, 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 the experts in areas, they never stop learning? I love sports. So I watch a lot of sports. I love the athletes who are so good in their sports, but they still go, I still got somewhere to go. They always have this drive, like, I got to learn. Like, people like Brady, I, I'm blown away by what how much they put into their craft. He's like 42 now, and he's like, man, I, I know I, got, I, can go, I can go more. I love that. I pray we have that heart. Like, man, I know I can, there's more in me. Like this COVID, I believe if we use it correctly, man, we should be learning something. We've got all this extra time. And YouTube, man, YouTube is a universe. If you want it to be, it could be a university. I'm telling you, I listen to people like Ben Shapiro, and I listen to Weinstein. I've been listening to Joe Rogan. Like, I try to expand my understanding of life. I don't just listen to preachers. I listen to scientists, and I listen to psychologists, and I, and I listen to, oh, right, because I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to expand my understanding of life. God, this is too big for me to just stay in this narrow understanding. 
I learned from atheists. If you have a heart to learn, you learn. Last one, because I got to go, is you can't just wing it and expect to have a foundation. The Bible says we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. There has to be plans. There has to be plans. If you're going to go somewhere in life, you have to have a plan. Just like when you're building a house, there's a blueprint. Can you imagine? People show up, I was like, I don't know what we're doing today. We're going to figure it out. How would you like that guy to work on your house? It's like a guy shows up, hey, what are we doing? I don't know. Let the spirit lead. <laughs> How are we going to fix this drain? The spirit will lead us. I believe the Spirit will lead you when you go to him and ask him for a game plan and ask him for purpose. Ask him for how you can do this. I believe that you bring your spirit to the business. You bring it to your marriage. You bring it to your parenting. And you begin to ask the Holy Spirit how we're going to do this. He will lead you. So my friends, when we fail to plan, we plan to fail. You'd be amazed how many marriages are in trouble and then they wonder why. What was your plan to grow your marriage? What was your plan to grow your finances? What was your plan? You think God just gave you this little baby for you to wing it? What was your plan to raise this kid? What was your plan to raise your ministry? All the things that God trusts us with. I believe in life we're supposed to be managers, not owners, of the thing God trusts us with. You cannot have a solid life by winging it. We have a thing we say to our staff all the time. Just be focused on growing by 1%. Just grow by 1% every day. But you gotta have a plan. Here's my last slide today. What's the plan for these areas of your life? Hollywood lied to us, man. They don't just, marriages don't just work. <laughs> Marriage is work. After the honeymoon, he leaves his clothes on the floor. After the honeymoon, he squeezes the toothpaste the wrong way. You've been doing it this way your whole life. After the honeymoon, you realize, oh, we have two understandings of money in this house. You grew up this way, I grew up this way. So how are we going to bring it this way? After the honeymoon and the baby, hoo-hoo, ga-ga, and now they start waking up every two hours. And the tension becomes like, who's waking up? But I grew up, my parents were like this. I grew up, but your parents were like this. Well, now can we take the good from both sides, get rid of the bad, and create a better family right now? There's got to be a game plan. I believe if you invite the Holy Spirit, he will show you. You don't grow by accident or mistakes. When I go teach at our, we have a ministry school in Rhode Island. Kids are always like, how do you do it, pastor? How do you do it? Where, you know, they call it the sauce. You always have the sauce. I'm like, you got to work for the sauce. You don't just buy sauce at the store. That sauce was made by somebody. Someone put in work. Just this message. This is hours, my friends, of work to get to Sunday. Never mind the rest of ministry.
So what's the plan? We got to have a plan. We got to ask the Holy Spirit, give me a plan. But first, he has to be the cornerstone of our lives. If he's the cornerstone, then we build upon him every step of the way, every moment. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? I believe we all want the same things. We want to have a solid life. We don't want to be statistic. We don't want to be the people who used to be. It always breaks my heart when you hear people say, man, they were, they were married for 20 years and they, they got a divorce. How? Man, after you invested 20 years? That just, I don't know about you, but it rips right through me. It's like, oh, man, that's a long time. It breaks my heart. Now it's like, if you have kids, you know the repercussions? You see why God says he hates divorce? Not because he hates you, because he hates the, what's going to happen to you and your kids and your home. So why not develop a game plan that's beyond feelings, but it's a commitment, it's a devotion, it's a dedication. Sometimes I see parents get angry about something that happened in church, and they yank their kids out of church because they go offended. You know, most people leave a church not because of theological issues, but because of offenses. They got offended. They couldn't find a way to work it out. And so the offense becomes the God. And here goes the whole destiny, the whole purpose, the whole future. And then you look at those kids that were growing up in the church. Now it's like, where are they? I see it all the time. I've been in this for 22 years. Where we just be let feelings become the reason why I'm, people in the same house won't talk because of feelings. My friends, we got work to do to build solid foundations. I had to start today praying coming to church. I said, pray. I said, God, I'm praying that I want to be a grandfather one day. I, I hope I can go the distance. And that's a serious prayer. You know why? Because every year about 7,000 pastors quit. 7,000 people who went to ministry say, I'm done. I don't want to be a statistic. So I need to have a plan to go to distance. Because I want my kids to go to distance. I want your kids to go to distance. Would you pray with me that, that the word of God will penetrate our hearts, that Jesus will really be the foundation of our lives. If you never trusted Jesus as the Lord of your life, this is the moment to do it. It all starts with inviting Jesus into your life. So if that's you in person, in forever online, right now, begin with this prayer. Say, Jesus, I want you as the foundation, the cornerstone, the Savior, the Lord of my life. I want to build upon you. And I pray that you will empower me by your Holy Spirit to not rely on my feelings, to not cut corners, to build a strong inner circle, to be teachable, oh God, that we would be faithful in everything you've called us to do and be. So Holy Spirit, today we are inviting you to have your way in our lives. Every part of it, Lord. God, we want to submit every part of it. If you're a single person, submit your singleness to the Lord. If you're married, submit your marriage to the Lord. If you have a business, submit it to the Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, your finances, 
Lord, we want to submit to you because we know where our help comes from. Have your way, we pray. Have your way, we pray. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.